0: Alright, you gotta give me a minute, people. Gotta give me a minute here. Maybe I left you a long time ago, and I of us knew it. Would they say I lost the plot? Would you say I blew it?
1: Thought I found a way back home, but now I'm looking through it. After all, this time's Stand
0: by. Alright, oh my god, really? i going to change screens and I'm on a haiku. Alright, here we go. Oh boy, let's rock and roll, welcome. Oh, of course, there it is. Jeez, Every This is fine, this is fine. Hold on one second. Here we go. This is fine. Oh boy. Welcome, everybody, to the stream. Hopefully you can hear me. Hopefully you can hear me. Welcome, everybody, to the stream. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 337 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ogier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, Andy Nakamura, Carrie Subro, Nick Barker, Left Coast Love, Funky Monk down in Australia, Brady McNulty, the whole cyber... Simply Cyber community and squad are going to be dropping knowledge bombs on your head, tearing up the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing our expert analysis and opinion on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get massive value here. I promise you. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. But before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Panopsi, uh Cybersecurity Wonderful company, good friend of mine, Brandon Poole runs that company. And what I want to tell you about is their quantified risk assessment uh, service offering. So, you know, it's not really just for anyone, right? Like, you you know, you're not like, you know what? You know what I want for Christmas this year? You know what, you know, it says, um, I love you on Valentine's day, a quantified risk assessment. No, this is a very specific service that is intended for organizations that are looking to assess what their current information security posture is, or to actually you know, get a, a strategic roadmap that's rooted in evidence, rooted in data, and can provide statistically sound guidance on, if you invest this much, you're gonna get this in return, et cetera. Um, to put it in perspective, because I just talked to my Citadel students about this today, investing in cybersecurity is not linear. If I give you $5 million and you get 80% secure, if I give you another $5 million, you do not get uh 160 secure right it's logarithmic you have diminishing returns at a certain point you will always have residual risk but understanding what that risk is and where your investment starts to taper off that's quantified risk assessment go to panopsi.com talk to brandon figure out if a quantified risk assessment is something in the cards for you also want to say shout out and love to xm cyber guys xm cyber can really help you here with addressing your hybrid cloud exposure and what does that even mean jerry like you're just saying words listen everybody's got misconfigurations security vulnerabilities you got to patch every month mismanaged credentials because carl's driving around in his um you know domain admin account you can't really see all of these things um together because they're kind of siloed but xm cyber that's what their whole service offering is is they can actually provide you um visibility into where all these things stack into each other and then provide a visual representation of that through an attack graph which proactively uncovers hidden attack paths and security control gaps across your cloud and on-prem network and allows you and this is the most valuable part to pinpoint and prioritize the actual issues so you can put your resources on that right now get high risk reduction in a very timely fashion, right? If you have massive attack surface, but everything has to go through like, I don't know, a VPN concentrator, everything has to go through a Citrix gateway is like some web app interface, and that thing's a hot mess on fire. Wouldn't you like to know that? Prioritize remediating the big the big choke points frankly and how do you see it xm cyber can help you visit xm there's a link in the description below to demo this exposure management platform and actually see the really cool pretty uh, dark mode red hexagon um, visual representation of what it is also much love to barricade cyber but I'll give you a little bit more information on them at the mid roll it is tidbits Tuesday so expect some free loving coming from me and we'll get into that as well now I want to remind you Eep episode each episode, of the C- Each episode of the daily cyber threat brief is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat, whether you're live here with us now, 158 of you, hashtag team live. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. I do love engaging with y'all in the comments. I want to say holla, holla, holla to hashtag passive observer. If you have been shy, imposter syndrome, introverted, quiet, uh, you know, um, I don't want to name names, but I know some people, I know one guy who just started a three-month CTI rotation and said he was going to be tuning in every day to stay sharp. Hashtag Passive Observer in the comments. Say Passive Observer, start your networking today and start building your own network. It costs nothing, just say Hashtag Passive Observer and see what's up. Jay Smith with the eight-month squad support, love it. Now, hey guys, I really, really am excited to share this. I, after the stream yesterday, went into uh, squad uh, emotes and found out that we had four unlocks. So I unlocked three and set them. So if you're a squad member, giddy up on the new emotes. We have Jen Easterly, we have Barricade Cyber Solutions because he's been raining down um, memberships all over the place. Hold on. Hold on. We're not ready. We're not ready, CISO Series. He's been raining down the, uh, the subs, so Barricade Cyber Solutions. And then finally, cash rules everything around me. Cream! If you know the Wu-Tang, you know what cream is. And by the way, you know, we can't have Randy have all the fun. Cash, homie. So it's, we got a cream one now to kind of mix in with what's going on. Hey, Christopher Hall, good to see you. All right, guys, I got a new audio set up here. Uh, you can see I've got like the professional uh, news correspondent thing like uh, Ariana Grande, you know, if I maybe if I got like a six foot long ponytail, I could be like Ariana uh, with the earpiece. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, just slowly upgrading. We have one more emote unlock. So I'll, I'll be uh, interested in taking uh, suggestions for that. But for now, let's get into the news and have a good time. I'll see you at the mid roll.
1: It's Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. TMX reveals customer data leak. The consumer lending company TMX disclosed in a breach notification letter to the office of the Maine Attorney General that it suffered a data breach that began in December, 2022, but not discovered until February 13th. Information potentially lost to attackers includes names, passport numbers, state ID numbers, social security numbers, and financial account data. TMX estimates over 4.8 million customers were impacted. It said it reset all employee passwords, added additional endpoint monitoring, and offered 12 months of credit monitoring to impacted customers. All right. The security call. All
0: right. Uh, Spotify is still messed up, so I have to manually start and stop this. Oh, look at this screen. See, like I came in hot, guys. I was stuck in traffic, um, and no judgment. I have a full cup of Starbucks coffee here, which is part of the reason I was stuck in traffic. But I wanted to stop and get my wife a caramel macchiato because um, I know she's got a lot of stuff going on today, and I wanted to hook her up. Uh, so, so no judgment on me having the Starbucks cup of coffee. All right. Um, Looks like a TMX finance company I never heard of, had access to millions of people's information and suffered a data breach. Um, they reset all employee passwords, which makes me think that either initial infection was a compromised password or crappy passwords that were being reused or, and, or the threat actors were able to dump uh, active directory and get all the credentials. So therefore it's a hot mess on fire. Um, this story, although it sounds interesting, um and I didn't mean no judgment about it being Starbucks. I meant no judgment that I stopped I was late to the stream because I had stopped. Um so listen, in 2023 like when when TJ Maxx got hit, like the world stopped for a minute. Uh back in like 2013, uh the world stopped like oh my god, look at this data breach. And now in 2023, a huge financial company, millions of people affected. Um, date of birth, passport, driver's license, state ID, all these wicked sensitive information, and it's like, uh, yeah, make sure to get you, sign up for your identity theft protection. Remember, TMX Finance really cares about security and privacy. They care about you. Like it's 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 almost like a speed bump. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just unfortunate that we've gotten to the point where like this is so normal. This is why it's called cyber resiliency, not cyber security. You've got to manage the blast radius. And for each of you, um, again, be mindful. Phishing attacks are going to be fishing, And um, you really should consider freezing your credit. That's, that's all I'll say about this. This story, even though it's a big story, there's nothing, there's no meat on this bone. This bone has been picked clean for years.
1: Of remote work. The security firm Lookout released its State of Remote Work security report, which included survey results on how the pandemic-fueled practice impacts security. The report found that 92% of remote employees perform work tasks on personal devices, while 32% of remote and hybrid workers use apps not approved by IT. As a result of both practices, corporate data is increasingly being accessed by means not visible to IT or security, increasing the risk profile of an organization. The report also found that 90% of remote workers access corporate networks from areas outside their home, accessed on an average of five locations. 45% of respondents said they use the same password for work and personal accounts. Carl! All day long, all day long, this is Carl. Now
0: listen, as much as I rail against Carl, and by the way, if you're new here, Carl is just like the the, the persona, the avatar of uh, an end user that makes bad decisions, reuses passwords, installs bad, you know, apps. Like it's just, Carl's just an avatar. But the thing is we have to account for carl because carl is everywhere and is in every business and everything. Now, check it out. What they're saying right here, like this this segment of the news is going to be an educational one. I'm going to I'm going to educate right here for a quick minute. What they're talking about right here is why zero trust architecture is a new the new paradigm, right? And I know some people um like think zero trust architecture is a buzzword. It's the way we've always done it. From a paradigm perspective, I use the term zero trust architecture because it conveys exactly what I'm talking about. There's two, there's the old model and then there's the modern model. The old model used to be that everybody was inside the same building. Can I do this? The old model is that everybody's inside the same building and you build a big strong wall around the outside of the building. This is your firewall, right? So it's like a castle. Everybody all your, all your assets, all your people, they're all inside the castle and you're doing business inside the castle and you have guards, guns, and gates protecting people from going in and out of the castle physically and a big fat firewall, keeping them going in and out uh, uh, digitally. Okay, fast forward, 2023, as it's reported in this story. You have remote workforce everywhere, post-pandemic, but it was already heading that way. You have CFOs who are walking around, patting themselves on the back about their tech spend because they have bring your own device, Uh, going on in their infrastructure, right? So me, you and and Carl and Andy Nakamura are all using our own phones for, and you just got to see my kid, uh, are are using their own phones to do business and do work, which introduces attack surface because you do not have control over ensuring that those things are patched, that they're up to date. Yes, we have mobile device management, which addresses that. But at the end of the day, it's my phone. You're not telling me what I'm putting on my phone. Suck it, right? You're also not stopping me from installing other stuff on my phone. And now you've got this tainted, polluted, mixed bag um, device that has potential malicious software that you have no visibility on and corporate stuff. Okay, that's the second part of this whole thing. The third part is... Because, you know, I'm living my best life over here, remote workforce, when I'm accessing corporate stuff like email, I'm doing it through like a web browser, right? I have another tab open on Amazon where I'm shopping for Cyber Monday deals. And I have another tab open on the next page because um, my wife sent me an Instagram reel or TikTok or whatever, and it's funny, and I click on a link, right? Everything's being done that way, right? So you're introducing exposure uh, into all of this. Now, having said all that businesses can do something about this. There's things called VPNs, right? You can require a VPN before accessing any system services. You can use a web app gateway, right? Like a Citrix interface where you can't access sensitive apps um, that are on-prem inside that little, you know, castle without going through it. And even if you do go through it, it's more of a display of that app instead of the fat app being installed on your device. There are security controls. There are approaches to handling a modern corporate environment, a zero trust architecture. And oh, by the way, probably one of the most important things of zero trust architecture is identity and access management. You need to know who's accessing what from where, when they're doing it. This is called conditional access. I'm allowed to access let's say, um, a a, a file server of some sensitive state, I, Jerry Osher, am allowed to access it, but I'm only allowed to access it from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. That is a condition. The condition that it's Saturday at midnight does not apply, so when I try to log in or some threat actor tries to log in as me, it is prevented. You're introducing an extra level of management and maintenance and trouble and potential friction by introducing conditional access, because now someone needs to manage that. I'm Jerry. I'm important. It's Saturday and oh my God, something just popped three CX phone systems. I've got to get into the system and Frick and conditional access is stopping me from doing it. So now I'm like flipping my desk, freaking out because information security is stopping me from doing my job. Do you see, do you see how these things slowly erode until you have, everyone has access to everything. This is why governance is so critical inside an organization, because once you introduce a friction for a good reason, like conditional access in this instance, you need ownership and leadership to say, no, this is the deal. We've accepted this as normal, get your crap together and, you know, have a call chain, have someone at it that can change the conditional access. If there's two levels of approval or whatever, but you need to work through it. This is why InfoSec is a job, people, because it's not easy. All right, I kind of lost my mind there for a second and wanted to teach about that, but like this this story is 100% right. And I guarantee you 32% of remote workers use apps or software that are not approved by IT. How about 100% of remote workers use apps or software not approved by IT? There is no question, no question, that remote workers are not installing at least one piece of software that they didn't run by IT. Dude, in this world with cloud everything, are you kidding me? Dude, the first, you know what Microsoft Edge is good for doing? Installing Chrome or or downloading Chrome to me, right? I don't know if Chrome's approved everywhere, but there's tons and tons and tons of people who use Chrome. I'm sure they're downloading it, you feel me? And dude if you're going to do application level security uh restrictions good luck with that that's like dlp the idea of it is brilliant oh only these apps are allowed until you put it in practice and then you have all sorts of signed apps that are like dll's or support service apps or drivers that weren't on the list that it clicked on and then everything breaks and then we get right back into the situation where it's like everything's breaking tons of friction just turn it off Ugh. and then everything is just unlocked and it's YOLO again with unapproved apps all over the place. This is the reality of IT in a large corporate infrastructure. Okay, oh, I'm done. I don't have a spicy button right now. So just spicy, I'll, I'll have to do it manually until I get my buttons back. All right, thank you. Lost my mind for a second there. Hopefully you guys got value from that rant. Okay, let's keep going.
1: Western Digital confirms network breach. On Monday, Western Digital said in a press release its network was breached on March 26th and an unauthorized party gained access to multiple company systems. The drive maker said the incident has caused and may continue to cause disruption to parts of the company's business operations and multiple users of Western Digital's network attached storage service MyCloud note they were not able to access their cloud hosted data. The MyCloud Service status page says MyCloud, MyCloud Home, My Cloud Home Duo, My Cloud OS5, Sandisk IBI, Sandisk i Expand Wireless Charging Services were all impacted.
0: Jesus, that guy didn't even take a Tw- breath. So, really quick, Anusha, um, who I think is the current baton holder for Simply Cyber Community Challenge, said, I remember working for Amazon for a month and they sent their own desktop, which ran on their own custom OS. This is true. Fortune five companies can do this, right? You can have a thin desktop virtual client where you log in still using a browser and there's an abstraction between you the user, and the corporate IT infrastructure. This is a total solution for zero trust architecture, but now you start to introduce like network bandwidth and performance issues because everything has to route in and then back out and then back in. So just to say there is solutions for it and Anoush nailed one right there. Okay, so Western Digital MyCloud. This is a consumer grade product if I'm thinking it it is what I'm thinking. Um, it's basically like the passport or, um, you know, my cloud. You plug it in and now you have basically a file server that you can access from anywhere. With that comes obvious uh, concerns. It looks like they've suffered a breach where a lot of that um, data was compromised. Unauthorized party obtained certain data from systems. Uh, that certain data is definitely your information. Uh, they're working with law enforcement. Yeah. So we'll see. There wasn't much to the actual written story here in the blog post, but um, the the uh, speaker, I think Steve Prentice, is it Steve Prentice? Rich uh says in the podcast that there are um, many, many instances involved. So I would actually advise you, if you do use Western Digital My Cloud, which I have had one in the past, uh, I use Seagate devices now personally, little OPSEC problem for me, but um, you might want to check if your data was involved in this, okay? I, and I can't do a, a I can't do a breach impact analysis for you because I don't know what kind of data you had. But be mindful of it. Um, again, I think these are the consumer-grade products, so it'll impact you and your family and loved ones more than it'll impact the business that you're Network partners supporting.
1: on a new privacy-focused browser. The Mulvad VPN company partnered with the organization behind the Tor Onion Network on a new Mulvad browser. Interestingly, the browser does not connect to the Tor network. Instead, it makes it easier to use a VPN to reduce the metadata your browser reveals about you to advertisers, obscuring things like your browser version, fonts, and extensions that can be used to build specific profiles on a browser. Mullvad used a fork version of Firefox as the basis for the browser, and it's available on Windows, Linux, and macOS. Most other browsers could be configured to do the same thing. MulVad Browser just makes it easier to do so out of the box without any tinkering. And now, okay, so this
0: is very cool. Um, if, if Many of you know TOR. Uh, TOR is an acronym for the onion, the onion route, right? Is it the onion route or the onion router? I think it's onion route, um, which allows you to access the dark web effectively, okay? So TOR, um, this has been their main, main thing. It sounds like they're releasing a browser focused on privacy, um, Cyber Ninja did something cool. What what did Cyber Ninja do? I gotta hold on. Anytime I see people doing congrats, I want to get in on the train. I know I'm up here like running running this briefing, but like, I'm I'm also part of the Simply Cyber community. Can a can a mod tell me? <laughs> can I have an adult tell me what Cyber Ninja did, please? I'd love to know. Um, hey, Alana, good to see you. So um, Brave is really the only browser option right now for people that are really into privacy, and. Um, the Tor group is releasing Mulvad as a, you know, maybe a competitor works with the VPN, not the onion route. So it's not, it's not, it's not anonymizing you and your traffic. It's just making it harder for advertisers to weaponize. Um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, eliminating the ability for, or it's reducing the ability for advertisers to add, uh, uh, advertise to you and kind of track you. Oh, MS 500 nailed it. Nice job, Cyber Ninja. Very, very happy for you. That's cool. Very cool. Um, okay. Um, so you know, whatever. It's worth checking out, guys. I mean, sadly, <laughs> this is not tinfoil hat, Jerry. And I know I shouldn't be apathetic, but like at this point, I'm, I'm, my information is so exposed and so out there that like using a, um, using like a Mulvard or a Brave browser to me, I'm, you know, it's like. <laughs> What would it be the equivalent of? It's like, um, you know, putting jeep door, putting doors on my jeep, uh, but not putting the top on, like in a rainstorm, like, oh, better hurry up and put those jeep doors on. It doesn't stop me from getting wet. I'm still, I'm still exposed. I'm still like, you know, I don't own a jeep, by the way, but I sure would love to. Uh, But it's my point. You get what I'm saying? All right. Uh, so whatever. You, you know what? If there's someone in the audience who's like into privacy and, uh, you know, privacy advocate and really pushing for that stuff, I'd love to get your, um, you know, your thoughts, experiences on the Mulvid browser, maybe even do like a, a, a YouTube video on it. That'd be kind of cool or a blog post on it. That'd be kind of cool. But let's let's do the mid roll now
1: from our sponsor. Normalize. Normalize is a cloud data security platform that continuously discovers sensitive data and their access paths across your cloud environments. Normalize provides the ability to analyze, prioritize, and respond to data threats to prevent damaging data breaches. Their cloud-native platform manages data security posture and compliance by automatically tracking risks to sensitive data, visually showing teams who can access what and quickly block unauthorized access or vulnerable points of attack. Discover, visualize, and secure your cloud data in minutes with Normalize Freemium. Go to normalize.ai. Pin
0: Duo Duo shifted. All right, it's the mid roll, which means only one thing. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here today. Genuinely appreciate all 209 of you live in chat right now, as well as the you know 800 plus that are going to be watching this on replay genuinely appreciate it if you would take a hot minute hit the like button not for my benefit i don't i don't care like i don't really look at how many likes i got it doesn't do anything for me what it does do is it tells the youtube algorithm that cybersecurity professionals like you like this content so youtube will push it to other cybersecurity people or people searching cybersecurity content and that's how we grow the simply cyber community so do me a favor do your part, hit the like button, it goes a long way. Again, thank you to the sponsors Panopsi, XM Cyber, and Barricade Cyber Solutions for their continued support. I mentioned I would share about Barricade Cybers at the mid-roll, so this is where we're gonna do that. Guys, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Get in those emotes, nice sidelight. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil but barricade cyber solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents check them out at barricadecyber.com links in the description below you can see on the stream this is the website for barricade cyber once you go there i would advise you to go to the bottom see eric taylor's calendar you just two clicks you can be on his calendar and have a meeting with him and really talk about um what what can you do um, if you guys suffer a breach, right? When we talk about left and right of boom, calling Eric Taylor, having a meeting, is doing things left of boom. Most people call Eric right of boom, meaning they've had a compromise a breach. There's an active adversary in their environment. That's a stupid time. I mean, it's a good time to call Eric, but really the better time would be to call before you suffer a breach. So holler at... Eric and Barricade Cybers. Thanks, guys, for the continued support. Also, Barricade Cybers, longtime supporter of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Been a sponsor for over a year now. All right, guys, want to remind you about the Simply Cyber newsletter. There's still time to sign up if you go to simplycyber.io newsletter and get the Threat Intelligence email tomorrow morning uh, in partnership with Codename Purple. Mondays, I send out a... um, Three actionable intel's, which I'm going to resend to people who did not open it right after the stream today, and then tomorrow is threat intel emails. Sign up, massive value. If you get either email uh, in chat, and you like, let me know your thoughts in chat. Let other people know uh, why it's worth signing up. All right, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, Jenny Housley, if you're here, help me out. Uh, Anush, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, right here, Anusa Hari. Uh, held the baton and i genuinely appreciate uh her effort and her her post pivoting from marketing um into cybersecurity. so if she is available please tag somebody in the simply cyber community challenge if you get tagged go on linkedin share your story share who are you why do you like cyber what's cyber done for you where are you going whatever you want to share hashtag simply cyber community challenge in the description, tag me as well for reach. I'll, I'll blast it across the internet. I've got like forty thousand or something like that uh, LinkedIn connections. I'll, I'll blast it everywhere. Connect with the person who has got the baton. Connect with the people who are commenting in chat. Build your network, guys. I could like I could get hit by a car tomorrow, and simply cyber would you know slowly implode. Build your network and take it with you, okay? It's so, I cannot tell you how important it is to have a professional network. It is unbelievably valuable, but you don't get it instantly. You don't buy a professional network. You have to build it. You have to cultivate it. You have to grow it. This is how we're doing it. Steph Lewis. Steph, connect with people on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. You're in this, you're in this community, Steph. Get in there. Drop your links, guys. Drop your links. Let's do it. All right, tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I share a little bit of a a, a little bit of uh, who I am or what I'm doing. Little Jerry stuff. I'm always, guys. I'll tell you what. We'll do one more. Jeff Fuller. Thank you, Jeff Fuller. I I won't play the whole song right now, but guys, I struggle um, to think of something for Tidbits Tuesday. I love this is kind of the tidbit like. I I would love to share, um, you know, like something I'm into or uh, like a little behind the scenes thing or what, you know, what might be in my Google search history that would surprise you. And I'm always like um, moving so quickly and coming in hot that I like never like really. So I apologize uh, for not, yeah, the sour cream. Um, I apologize for not being as great with Tidbits Tuesday as I could be. It's something I'm working on. Um, I guess uh, one little quick thing to share um you know i'm constantly trying to level up simply cyber give you guys a better um give you guys a better experience right like i take it quite seriously the charge i have actually this is a good tidbit i take incredibly seriously the charge i have to lead and to deliver information that's valuable and to help people you know, find their way in cybersecurity and grow a career, be able to provide for those that they care about and they need. And that's why I do like the little upgrades, like this audio upgrade. My head gets wicked hot from the the, the cans. My head's always got hot. I'm like sweating right now. So this little upgrade is a nice piece of life for quality for me, and hopefully the audio is good for you. I've got the shed right before we went live. um, I put the final payment on the shed, uh, which I might call um, the farmhouse, or the workshop, although my wife says I, I shouldn't call it the workshop for reasons. The lab, command center, I don't know. Um, the outpost. So I put the final payment on that. That's coming tomorrow. Uh, so you'll look for some really big uh, quality of life improvements for y'all in the next coming week or so. All right. Guys, let's get back into the news. Did a uh, Did Anusha tag someone? Let me know. Let me know. All right, let's get into
1: here. Developers after malware discovery. We've already covered on this show that multiple security researchers confirmed that Pin Duo's Android app contained malware, exploding backdoors on Android devices. This malware did not appear on Play Store versions of the app, only on third party marketplaces. However, they were signed by the same key. Now, CNN sources say Pin Duo Duo updated its app on March 5th to remove the malware while also disbanding the engineers and product managers who worked on it. Pinduoduo's parent company, PDD, transferred most of the staff to work on its highly popular e-commerce app, Timu. All right, hold on. Let me pause Twitter this. A lot, a lot of, a lot of
0: things going on right now. Let's go, Nick, with the super chat. Uh, do I, Where's my super chat? Oh, God. Dude, my soundboard. I had to rebuild it. It's not there. So, uh, what? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, let's go, Nick, for the super chat, uh, for the continued support. Uh, it is a new month. Buckle down, dude. I'm telling you, the GRC class—it is basically eight hours hanging out with me. And uh, if this is what you like, <laughs> you're gonna get a ton of it. So uh, definitely get into it. I'm I'm pumped for you. I can't wait to hear what you thought about the class when you've completed it by the end of the month, Nick. Let's let's set that as a timer, okay? Um, listen, this Pinduoduo thing—no surprise, guys. There has been m- multiple. China is very good at espionage. The United States is also very good at espionage. So let's not like throw stones at glass houses. But more and more mobile apps are coming out with kind of, um, I guess, effectively Trojan software, where the apps do what they're supposed to do, which is what Trojan malware does. It does what it's supposed to do, but it also has other behaviors, other capabilities that are not known to the end user when they sign up to include like information stealing and you know uh like reading private messages uh notifications you know what what who you're texting with when you're texting with right this pin duo duo app i've never heard of but apparently um multiple experts have identified malware on the Duo duo app here's one really interesting thing that you got to remember guys when you are a threat actor and you develop malware like once the malware is out of the barn right and it's running around free range malware right like free range chicken free range malware you can't stop a security analyst or multiple security analysts from capturing that free range malware, taking it back to the lab, throwing it on the operating table and dissecting it, right? You can make it hard. Threat actors do all sorts of anti-analysis techniques, and that's a really fun uh, do, you know, rabbit hole if you want to go down it. Look up anti, um, anti-analysis uh, malware techniques. It's very, very cool what they're doing. There's, there's actually a lot of really interesting novel things that they do, but... I digress. So when this Pin Duo thing gets out there, I mean, you're running, you're running, uh, basically naked, like you're hacking naked because you can't stop someone from analyzing. And once the cat's out of the bag, once that research's been done, you know, your your whole kind of infrastructure is burned down because no one's going to do it. The secret's out, right? And we could start getting uh, indicators of compromise to share with other people. The Google Play Store, the Apple Store can take the app off. They can push notifications to uninstall the app, right? There's all sorts of things going on. Um, but China's been going hardcore with all these different kind of espionages. We just saw um, last week, an app got pulled, for, or two weeks ago, app got pulled from the Google Play Store that was... Um, you know, basically discovered to do some type of espionage or, or information sale. I can't remember the name of the app right now, but it was a big one, right? Uh, you can go back and look. Google made an announcement that they were pulling it. This is the same thing, guys. And all I'll say is two things. One, you know obviously, Pinduoduo duo rejected the speculation that the app was malicious, even though now malware um, analysts have definitively proven that it's malicious. two things one um the Chinese government is really involved with the Chinese private sector businesses that it's a different it's different a bit from the United States, but like the Chinese government is you know there's like people who are in the chinese government high ranking officials that are put on boards of big companies like, you know, Alibaba or, or, you know, some of these larger companies. And we saw with the car, uh, car ride sharing app out there. Um, and I always forget it. So chat, please remember for me, but it's like Uber or Lyft, but in China, I think it's like Boing Boing or something like that. Or, or I can't remember, but anyways, they got their hand whacked, um, for not following the rules. And now they've been allowed to come back and start doing business. So Make no mistake, they're definitely involved in. And obviously, the government wants more intel, more data, more things. So it's not surprising that these things are brought. Didi, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Didi. So it's not surprising um, to see this type of espionage and malware in there. In fact, you know what? I'm almost thinking because I shoot from the hip on a train bound for glory when I'm up here doing the news briefings. I don't see these stories in advance. As I'm talking about this, I bet you. A tinfoil hat. Hold on. Let's get the tinfoil hat. I bet you when Pinduoduo said that the, they rejected the speculation and accusation, I bet you that whoever was saying that was was confident that that was the case. I, I would imagine that it isn't like, company-wide they don't send out like a company-wide newsletter or do a town hall meeting and they're like all right guys great q2 numbers now we're going to introduce the trojan malware redline info stealer malicious espionage package for our q3 push let's go everybody Woo!" like they have like a like a like a, a rally a pep rally no no they probably took a subset of people a couple executives and like one or two developers and they're like we're doing this do it shut your mouth and let's go so pindo duo you know it they, they wouldn't know uh but it's been proven and that's the deal so here's here's just like long long term thinking pindo duo they get ravaged they lose all their positioning in you know business and then like just next company next company line up whoever it is like it could be like you know well, that's inappropriate. Um, the things that come to my mind as like examples just are so inappropriate, but like, let's say the company is like uh, throat punch. Okay. Throat punch apps. Wow. They're really taking off. Okay. Like now, like we're just going to go to them and tell them to put espionage capabilities into their tool. So like Chi- the Chinese government can just, you know, rinse and repeat with these things. Right. So it's Pinduoduo today. It's, it's whatever last week. So it's not going away. You got to be mindful. And again, In full disclosure, I am not saying all Chinese apps are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that they're all corrupt. I'm not saying that the government's into all of them, okay? There is definitely great apps out there coming from all walks of life in all countries, okay? I'm just saying this weaponized capability, I don't see a deterrent to stop them from doing it to the next big company that has a wide footprint of downloads. That's it, okay? Yeah, exactly. Australia does it. Dude, the United States could do it. Israel could do it. Iran, Pakistan, India, like they could all do it. Right. So like, I I always want to qualify that because I don't want to be seen up here as like someone who's like, you know, taking a position of like, these are our adversaries and these are the bad guys and these are the good guys. Yes. I I'm, I'm an American and I love the United States and I think it's awesome, but like we have nation state threat. We have nation state cyber capabilities that match people that are seen as our adversaries. So, we can't we can't we can't judge and comment and point out the way that the adversaries are using it without being real that it's very likely that we are using it for the same way, right? But I mean, we're using it to defend national security, right? Like so, it's all in the application and the perspective, right? You know, one person's Well, I don't even want to say that because I'll probably get, um, it'd probably be bad for the channel. But anyways, let's move on. Mark,
1: last month, Twitter said it would start removing legacy verification marks for accounts that didn't subscribe to Twitter Blue as of April 1st. That doesn't appear to have happened outside of the New York Times account. Instead, Twitter removed the clarification of why an account received a verification mark in the first place. Previously, this would say something like, this is a legacy verified account or an account was verified because it subscribed to Twitter Blue. These have now been combined, so it's not easy to see why it received verification. CEO Elon Musk also said that Twitter will remove the date of verification from profiles as well. Yeah, one note starts bl- obviously, the people who um the people who are paying
0: eight bucks a month for a blue check mark are like, I, I want to be seen as a a full first class citizen. I don't want to be seen as like this like, you know, add-on you know, barnacle to Twitter, like, I want to look legit. I want OG blue checkmark status. I'm not going to pay eight bucks to, to be, um, you know, some bolted on barnacle onto the hull of the Twitter ship. Right. To me, that's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened here. And Elon's like, yeah, you know what? Legacy blue checkmarks are paying $0. New checkmarks are paying $8 thank you Randy Elon's gonna do Elon things right let's go ahead and get some Elon love up in here we haven't had Elon in a hot minute yeah I've watched anime not a huge not a huge into it but yeah I uh, some we could talk about that in Jawjacking.
1: Fucking file extensions last year security researcher Emmerich Nasi warned that mark of the web protections were not applied to OneNote attachments after that disclosure researchers saw a surge in campaigns targeting the app now, Microsoft began rolling out a default block for opening embedded files in OneNote with potentially dangerous file extensions. To access these flagged attachments, users must now download them to their device and open them from there rather than in OneNote deferring to OS level protections. This effectively extends the same file extension blocks already in place on Word, Excel, Outlook, and PowerPoint, although admins can change these defaults in their dashboards.
0: All right. so. You know we're we're running a little over time, so apologies to NCC Group and Base Case, Um, guys. Microsoft OneNote basically Microsoft put in a bunch of controls to stop abusing Microsoft Office documents, like like stopping macro execution, using mark of the web. That you know basically it's a it's a friction point, but it it kind of prevents you from like downloading or opening stuff from the internet without knowing that it didn't come from an internal resource. So like social engineering attacks kind of get dorked. Well, Microsoft OneNote was somehow removed from that and they've been abusing it. We've seen it in different ways. There's like a VB script kind of link hidden underneath stuff. TLDR, just tell um, your end users that Microsoft OneNote, be careful of people sending Microsoft OneNote uh, and Microsoft is making a technical control here by default, which will actually block dangerous file extensions. So good on you, Microsoft. I love guys, I love I love Mesa Microsoft and what they've done probably the last like five years. They used to be a laughing stock when it came to security. Ship on Monday, patch on Wednesday. That was the deal. Uh and now they are really serious about um protecting their end user community, protecting businesses, offering good cybersecurity options. Dude, this, this OneNote attack thing, it's only been around for a few months, as far as I know, right? At least mainstream versions of the attack. So for Microsoft to introduce this control this quickly for Microsoft is pretty awesome and pretty telling of how they, how they value and perceive the value of cybersecurity for their end user community.
1: DOD wants you to hack the Pentagon. Yeah! The U.S. Department of Defense launched a new Hack the Pentagon website. This will serve as a companion to the Pentagon's existing bug bounty program, which began in 2016. This will expand those efforts, as the bug bounties will shift from a project-by-project basis to help departments within DOD run continuous bug bounty programs. These programs will still only allow contributions from vetted security researchers, although the site could make it easier to onboard new researchers to projects. Remember, we're going to be having a live audience recording of the CISO Series podcast on April 13th in New York City. Final thing
0: really quickly. Let me turn the audio down. Oh, my God. I am sweating my butt off up in here. Wow. All right. So Hack the Pentagon. If you guys don't know, Hack the Pentagon is awesome. Okay. There's been multiple. There's been Hack the Pentagon, Hack Assad, Hack the Air Force. um, You know, Hack DHS. um, Very, very cool. This is an invite only, so don't think that you're gonna be like, "Ooh, I'll, I'm gonna sign up for this." This is invite only, um, vetted researchers. And when I say vetted, I mean like cleared researchers. Not to say you need a top secret clearance or anything, but they're not gonna just open it up and have anyone because adversaries of the United States would absolutely dive in and start attacking. Um, watch out, like, dude, I love this. Six hundred and fifty grand in bounty payments. Uh, oh, hold on. I was going to say, wow, they've really increased it, but this is 650,000 since 2016. So the the bounties are less financially lucrative. I feel like maybe 50 grand might be like a top bounty you can get. But the cool thing is, dude, you want to talk about like um, really cool career experience, life goals, um, being able to say you hack the Pentagon, being able to say you have like um, you know, you got paid from the government for hacking the Pentagon. That's sick, right? To me, that's that's on the uh, level of having like a CVE tied to your name, which is a life goal of mine. Um, like any other bug bounty program, the Pentagon is going to set up a scope of uh, engagement, rules of engagement. Uh, so you can't just target and attack anything you want. The final thing I'll say about this, larger picture, I love I love that the US federal government is inviting security researchers from the private sector to do security research and do bug bounties. I've talked about this on the channel before. I think actually last year this time for the same story of hack the Pentagon. The US federal government moves wicked slowly, very bureaucratic, very bloated, lots of checks and balances and and, and you know, approvals and tiers and stuff like that. So when security, like, dude, look at the memorandum that came out from Biden last year about how, you know, we got to implement zero trust and MFA everywhere. And then like just last month, the, um, what was it? The secret service or the ice, the people who do, um, law for the DEA, that was the DEA had a public facing database for law enforcement that didn't have MFA behind it. Right? So they move wicked slow. So by doing this, you're actually tapping in to the private sector, getting access to high paid, really skilled individuals that frankly would never work at the federal government because of many, many different reasons, which I, I, I kind of just laid out a couple. I won't get into it, but they're not going to work at the, so you get access to top talent and you can move very, very quickly and find really large vulnerabilities and get them remediated quick. So this is a win for the United States as well as the security researcher community. So love it, love it, love it all right guys that's gonna do it for the stream 210 of you today uh we're a few minutes over again apologies to base case and the ncc group love that you guys are here um if you were here just for the news thank you very much we will be back tomorrow at 8 a.m eastern time for worldwide wednesday you will not want to miss worldwide wednesday we go around the world for a couple minutes before the uh the news starts and we see if we have someone in every continent including middle east and central america and guess what We usually do. That's how awesome, that's how awesome the Simply Cyber community is and how diverse we are, that we have representation across the globe. So please join us for Worldwide Wednesday. It's a lot of fun and we'll do that. If you want to hang out for a few minutes and do some jaw jacking, let's do that right now. I need some uh, different music. All right. Real quick, so this earpiece is nice, but, like, it's 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 hard to hear. Like, with the cans on it, I hear everything a lot better. But, I mean, it's not bad. It's just... Oh, Brady McNulty. Yeah, listening to This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. Great, great, um, great resource. Is it read by Nicole Brady? Does Nicole read it herself or did someone else read it? Okay, Alana's sharing a story. David B. and her connected but when she did it back in the day. Uh, like, great hook, Alana. I want to know what the, what the next part of that story is. Thanks, Dalton, Texas. My pleasure, Michael Adams. It is a great community. I agree. Should have asked me about it. I know, base Case. So, uh, Alana and David Beard asked for 15 minutes of her calendar to chat about GRC. She met with them for a lovely conversation that week. He suggested that he connects with another GRC professional who's doing cool things in the space, made an intro, that intro turned into a job interview, which turned into an accepted job offer that wasn't even the goal but ah! winning so hard. Oh my god, winning so hard. This is what I'm telling you guys. Like I can't I can't promise you a job. I cannot promise you a job, but I can tell you if you network, if you build your network, It will, like, I I use this metaphor all the time, guys. Building your professional network is like walking into a field with a handful of seeds and throwing them in the field. And constantly coming to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, posting on LinkedIn, talking on Discord, is walking in the field and watering those plants. I can't say that they're all going to grow, but some of them will grow. And some of them will bloom into beautiful flowers. And this is one case study. I'm telling you. I'm not making this crap up. I'm not up here just, like, blowing hot air at you to, to like, fill the the time. This is legit. This is the point. Ah, oh, thanks, Alana. This is so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And congratulations, David B. Love that, too. Oh, my God. I am sweating something fierce up there. Besides Boston this year? I don't know. That'd be a good question, though. All right, Shalonda Glenn, recent Simply Cyber Community Challenge holder. Love it, love it, love it. Allison Manstone, very nice to see you, Allison. Guys, connect with Allison Manstone. She's been killing it on uh, LinkedIn as well. Oh, boy. Uh, someone, someone... So this might be in the news tomorrow. I just got a Wired story. I haven't read it, but this is coming from a community member. Um... Who, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep anonymous. They can identify. But this is interesting. Fallout from 3CX. It's already happening. Oh, thank you, Nate Weissen. Nate Weissen with the Community Challenge. Thanks, Jenny. All right, Nate. You know what to do. Go to LinkedIn. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Everybody connect with Nate. And everybody connect with people in the comments. And build your network. I'm telling you. So valuable. Yeah, Andy Greenberg is good. Oh, my God hey can I share something with you guys since it's just us okay I can't make any promises okay I, obviously uh, if I can, if I can make a promise I'll make a promise but for this I can't simply say simply cybercon somebody in the community reached out to me okay somebody in the simply cyber community again I, I don't want to name people unless they want me to and I always I always ask them if I can reveal their identity before and I didn't check with this person yet somebody reached out to me who uh, has a close connection at CIsa, who has a close connection that works with Jen Easterly, okay? I wrote a short descriptive explanation of what the Simply Cyber Conference is. I also explained what Simply Cyber is, okay? And asked if Jen wanted to keynote the Simply Cybercon. Again, she's an incredibly busy person. And we are we're 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 important, but we're we're small potatoes in the grand scheme of things, right? But the request has been made to Jen uh to see if she wants to speak as a keynote at the conference. It is November eighth at eleven AM is the kickoff. Yep, there's that Jen Easterly emote. So she's doing great things and we hope that she can come and keynote at the Simply CyberCon. Again, no promises, guys. No promises, but I will. I will definitely keep everybody informed. Yeah, exactly, Allison, shoot, shoot your shot. You know what I mean? We are doing good things here, you know what I mean? And the conference is set up as a nonprofit. I don't know if you guys know that. The conference is set up as a nonprofit, so any sponsor money, anything that comes in will go directly back into the community and help people. Thanks, guys, yeah, I'm super pumped. i I, I really, really appreciate what she's doing. I think she's doing an amazing job. I think she's taken a light years in just the short amount of time. Um, she has been the director over there. Uh, Gabe Lister, we're still working on it. There is a, um, th- there is a, uh, uh, there's a document. If someone can share it in chat, we, we like uh, Allison and Kimberly. Uh, Allison Van Stone and Kimberly can fix it in chat right now. Are the marketing people? Uh, Josh Mason is working on the um, website so once we get those two pieces kind of sorted out um, We are going to be able to promote it more. Oh, 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 let me let me do a a great. Oh, hey Kev. Uh, Yeah, thank you Um, Guys, I want to start a poll Um, Let me do a poll really quick and I know this is super unfair (laughs) because it's like um, a lot of people have left Um, I just, like, this isn't going to be definitive, but I'm kind of curious what people think about this. Um, let me see. Um, people wanted a theme for the conference, and we had a couple ideas. Uh, we had a couple ideas, and, um... Let me see this. So... Themes for the conference, okay? Wild West Hackin Fest, ha- oh, hold on, let me check my calendar. I think I have uh, a fence guy showing up. I do have a fence guy showing up. Um, so Wild West Hackin Fest has, like, it was Back to the Future last year. This year it's going to be the X-Files. And people in the community are like, hey, like, we should have a theme too, which I love the idea. So Cyberpunk, Jenny Housley saying Cyberpunk. I like that. I thought the '80s would be cool. That was my, that was my idea. Um, so, cyberpunk '80s. No, no, that's fine. No, don't apologize. Hackers movie theme. That'd be cool. Okay. So I'm seeing a lot of cyberpunk. I'm seeing a lot of hacker movie. Okay, let's do this. Let's end the poll. The 80s is winning. Let's do this. Let's do another poll. Con theme. Uh, 1980s. Cyberpunk. Hackers movie. Although cyberpunk and hackers movie kind of overlay each other, but we'll see how it goes. You can vote on YouTube right now. Annie Nakamura, Backdoors and Breaches, 80s girl, definitely 80s. Anything would be cool. Okay, I I like the 80s. I'll probably vote for the 80s. I mean, I am so in love with (laughs) Retro Synthwave, which is kind of like 80s music, so. Oh, we can't do Back to the Future, Mame Griffiths. Um, Wild West Hackenfest did that uh, last year. I mean, we could do it, but I mean, it was just done, so. Yeah, we could do an Aquatine Hunger Force theme. Oh! <laughs> Just have a have a Carl theme. I'm joking, um, but we'll we'll take a look. There's 168 of you in chat right now, 76 votes. Once it gets to about halfway, say 84 votes, I'll uh, close the polling. Cool. Awkward teen Hunger Force, Nate Weisen, I love it. 80 Cyberpunk. Yeah, we could we could blend it, right? Do um like this guy, Hacker Man. Where's Hacker Man? Hacker Man. All right, let's look at the voting. 83 votes, one more vote and we'll be halfway there. Akira? Yes, okay, we could do that. All right, 86 votes. All right, so ending the poll, it looks like 80s. eighty Cyberpunk? Let's do this. Team Replay is probably, like, screaming into the void right now. Eighty Cyberpunk for the theme? What do people think about that? We could do that. I mean, we could do a bunch of things. Oh, I also confirmed... Um, I also confirmed that CPEs will, will be... you can get CPEs. Um, oh my god, you guys... Overwhelming. One second. You guys are overwhelming with the eighty uh, cyberpunk. Okay. Later, Tom. All right. So I think I think it could be cyberpunk, dude. We're at one hundred and sixty-seven people. Um, if we get to eighty plus votes, I mean, 8- eighty-five votes would be half of us. There we go. All right, there we go. Let's end the poll. Nice job. I think we've we found... I think we... I think we did it. I think we did it. All right, so 80 Cyberpunk, probably what we're going with. All right, guys, very cool. See, this is how it works. This is how we vote. This is how we get all our things. Very nice. All right, guys, that's going to do it. We made some headway today. We covered the top news, little jaw jack and little tidbits. But now it's time to get to work. I'll see you guys all. Thank you very much for your time and effort and energy. And uh, we'll move forward with this theme. Love it, love it, love it. CPEs are continuing uh, professional education, Mr. Shannon Wilson. So when you get certifications like SEC+, CISSP, system, you need to maintain your education level. And those are CPEs. So they're kind of a pain to get, but you can get them fun ways, which is what we're doing over here in Simply Cyber. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. Be good. We'll see you uh tomorrow at 8 a.m eastern time if you got any questions uh hit it up in discord be good everybody have a great day and we'll see you next time